Welcome to the Dynamax Podcast, Maine's premier powerlifting and strength sports podcast. From studios in Westbrook, Maine, with your hosts, Matt Israelson and Matt Strong. Hey! <laughs> Can you hear us? Oh yeah, we're live. Hey Brian. Can't go live on Instagram on here. No. Okay. You're gonna have to bounce back and forth. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, under your under the Dynamax live, just oh. to check it. Just to see if anything's going on. All right. That's good. Dempster is watching. Brian Harris is watching. A bunch of people are watching on Facebook. I'm now live. All right. There we go. This is episode 42 of the Dynamax Podcast, our second episode live. We got uh, Matt Israelson, Travis Dyer, the power doc, and myself, Matt Strong, in the building. We're here to answer your questions. Um, we're fortunate enough to have Travis Dyer, chiropractic doctor, in the building, in the place to be. So let's, uh, let's get it going. Um, I know you had some questions right off the bat. Let's start with those. Sure. So let's, um, I know one of the questions you had were pros and cons of foam rolling, right? Or something, so your thoughts on foam rolling? Yeah, so um, I actually talked to this person personally. Um, so in terms of foam rolling, it, it really depends on how you do it. Okay. Right? So if you just want to do foam rolling before a workout and just lay on the ground, like rolling back and forth for a half hour. I think it's pretty useless. Studies show that you need about a thousand pounds of force to make a one percent change in fascia, so you don't generate that with foam rolling. However, there has been—I mean, science shows that like ischemic compression, ART stuff like that, uh, benefits obviously. So if you use it in terms of like using it as a guide to scan, so you have a really bad knot in your quad, mm -hmm. you find it, find the knot, and then do ischemic compression on it by just hanging out there for you know a few seconds. So just not necessarily rolling, but just no, and then finding right the knots and staying right on it. Okay, and it's basically it's acting like a sponge, right? So that a knot is basically a buildup of lactic acid and metabolites. So by staying on it, it's like squeezing a sponge, and then when you go off, it lets go, and you get all that new blood in there. Coming in. So if you just if you just use it just to roll, just to feel like you're doing something, it's pretty useless. But if you use it with an intent, it's it's very beneficial. What do you think? Uh because there's a lot of people you see foam rolling before they're working out and lifting heavy or not lifting heavy. What do you think it is that they're kind of, what sensation is it that they're getting that makes it feel that that is beneficial? Is it just purely placebo or? It, it could be, it could also be, um, you know, localized blood flow. Just by doing that muscle, just rolling it, you do get, you know, increased blood flow. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to get a benefit out of it, you really want to find those knots and use it as like a schemic compression kind of thing or find a knot and put it through that range of motion like ART kind of thing so for us laymen out there what is the term you're using schemic ischemic ischemic so that's cutting off blood supply okay like pinning it down pressing really hard in the knot and then letting go like, it's gonna be like a heart attack exactly oh okay gotcha yeah. so it's blocking the blood supply and then when you let go it gets that new blood supply in there flushes out all those metabolites Sweet. and lactic acid okay so I know that we are live right now, and if you are asking a question, we will get to it. We are kind of running through some. We're going to start with some of the questions that were sent in, and uh, we will get to any live questions that come up as they come up. Hello from New Brunswick. What's up, Just a Hoodie? New Brunswick. Our Canadian brothers. 
We can see all that. We're international. Mr. International. That's you, Maddie. All right. Um, so those are my thoughts on foam rolling. Okay. Uh, what other questions did I have? Let's start with our uh, quasi-handicapped co-owner that's out of commission right now. I thought that it would be nice. Our buddy Mike is uh, Mike Wilson. He's out of commission due to a ski accident. What are some good ways that he could train his uh, lower body deadlift style workouts with a broken hand? Right. So we had talked a little bit about this before. And the first thing that came to my mind was Zercher deadlifts. Okay. Um, Zercher Zerger deadlift. Squat. So what's the difference between a Zercher deadlift and a Zercher squat? Zercher squat, you're starting from standing position, more of a standing position. Zercher deadlifts, you literally do it from the floor. It is really stressful. Uh, if he's never done it before, I would definitely recommend doing it from blocks or even just doing a Zercher squat. Right. Um, just because it takes your hand completely out of it. Or you can also see, like, on Instagram, there's guys and girls who deadlift without hands, and they have that strap going around their shoulders. and It's a like toe strap, to basically. Yeah. Um, that could be a modification that you can do as well. Can you think of any, Manny? Any uh, uh, for Mike? Yeah, uh, if you, he's got a bad foot though too right now. But if he can, <laughs> assuming the ankle gets better. <laughs> okay, I would just I recommend the safety bar for him because he can yeah, he can use no hands or one hand. So that's what I told keep, him to uh, do. Several kinds of squats: low box, high box, no box. Do you know who uh, Josh Morris is? Do you know who he is, Travis? Yeah. He is the number two raw with sleeves total. It's about twenty four hundred pounds, I believe. And he, he just had some crazy, I don't know, arm shoulder surgery done. He's he just posted a video of him squatting over nine hundred on the safety squat. Oh yeah. And he's got insane. one hand. That's he was all a, you need. You he was actually, in a sling. You don't even you have do to it hold with none, but right. I, I always use one. Yeah. I put one of my arms. I, I was doing some warming up with the safety squat bar with no hands and it is a little I don't it's, know if it's maybe, like a hat field. Have you ever done hat fields? I've never have actually. Oh, so it's a good way to overload. I love I really love doing them right at a peak. Mm-hmm. Um where you basically have a bar in front of you and you're kind of using lats and triceps to really drive you out of the hole. Um, well, Fred Hatfield sort of yeah. came up with a safety bar. Yep. So. Okay. That's what it's named after him. One of the greatest squatters. He was the first guy. That, was he the first guy to squat over a thousand? No. Dave Waddington. Lee Moran. Fred Hatfield. Third. Gotcha. All right. Um, but Hatfield only weighed about 258. Uh, those other two guys were big... 300-pound-plus guys. Yeah. So we got a... Um, I see that. Tips for getting hip mobility pre-squat workout. Yes. Um, so in terms of... Actually, that was one of our questions that I had gotten asked as well, is mobility before working out. Um, what I do specifically is I use, like, my first three warm-ups. So the first thing I do when I go in the gym is get my equipment ready. Say it's squats, like we're going to talk about. I go straight to the squat rack. Either a quarter or just the bar, depending on how I feel that day. Plate, two plates. And I use those as basically a diagnostic assessment on what needs to be worked on. That's kind of how you check your gauges. Right. Because you don't want to do mobility work for something that you don't need. Because especially in powerlifting, you want stability. You don't want things loose. That's how you get hurt. Um, So basically what you want to do is just see what actually needs to be worked on before you do anything. Right. So a lack of mobility can almost be advantageous in powerlifting. Right. Like you get that that single ply fascial sheet going on, right? (laughs) By being so tight, you basically get, you know, almost like a single ply suit. Um, but it really depends on what the, the issue is with the hip mobility. If you're getting pinching in the front, uh, having difficulty reaching depth. Um, so, Chad, what, if you're what was st- hip mobility pre-squat. Okay. Um, what to do to get those hips feeling like you're not going through a brake pad when you're squatting down. Mm-hmm. So, um, really good uh, stretches that very generalized. You can do a pigeon stretch. 
Uh, it's really good for the piriformis and glutes and glute bead. Um, you can do it right on like a bench. Um, I have those on my Instagram actually. I have the pigeon stretch and also the couch stretch, which is really good for hip flexors. Uh, it's very similar to doing a split squat, uh, but what you really want to do is drive the knee down, keep your chest up, and push your butt to your heel. Okay. Similar to a split squat, but it really stretches the hip flexors. So that does, you know, hip flexors, hip extensors, and hip abductors. Uh, it's a very generalized mobility thing. I gotta imagine that's gonna help you if you got a big arch on bench too. For the hip flexors? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just getting those. Because a lot of times when people's backs cramp up, it's either on bench, right? It's either lats because the lats attach to the lumbar spine, or it's actually the hip flexors because the hip flexors uh, attach to the anterior part of your lumbar spine. So if those cramp up, it actually causes you to have increased arch in your low back, which just knocks everything up. Gotcha, and that's where you feel like you gotta flatten out and get yeah. out of there really quick. Yeah. But it's pulling you, correct? Exactly, yeah. Because it attaches to the front, so if they tighten, it pulls you mm -hmm. forward and just cramps everything up. What do we got here? Can you guys weigh in about not doing squats after deadlifts, medical and otherwise? Yeah, I can, well, we both probably can. Big no-no. I just think because you're already pre-fatigued and just doing a big lift after a big lift, unless it's you know on a on a meet day where you're primed for it, is just setting up for injury. But, I think. So Training-wise, I don't I don't know about you. I I don't wouldn't let anybody do it, and I wouldn't do it. Right. You're when you do a deadlift, you got no. Eccentric, it's all concentric. Right. The whole move right. mm -hmm. is nothing. So you're pulling your brains out most of the time, mm -hmm. and then you turn around and go squat. The dynamic on the spine, doctor. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just to play devil's advocate, how does that really affect someone more different than because uh, or differently? I know you guys often squat and then deadlift. Correct. Why is squatting and then deadlifting better than deadlifting and then squatting? Well, because on squat, we got we have a controlled. Eccentric, correct? Yeah, and you're loading the spine pre-lift. With the deadlift, it's starting, like you said, it's all concentric. So your spine isn't loaded from the start. So with squats, it's getting pre-loaded first. Correct. So you do, I don't know, five sets of heavy deads. Mm -hmm. Turn around that dynamic, even your thoracic, am mm -hmm. I right? Yeah. Is fried. So it's it, you're not. I think you're asking for trouble. I think so. Yeah. More more likely to be have a back injury by flipping you're, you're the order. Courting trouble. Yeah. And then for just a simple, uh, you know, non-professional like myself, you're going to want to train in the way that you're going to compete, and you're always going to squat before you deadlift. Right. That's another good point. Yeah. But I'm, it's just to keep it specific, safe, a safety factor for me. Mm -hmm. Although that crazy strongman contest, we had to squat first. Were you there? No. We had to do yeah. those crazy squats before deadlift. But anyway, I had no choice. That's what do you got but, for being a strong man? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that answers the question, but I, I would not recommend it. I don't think the doctor would. I would not. No. So Brian, do your deadlifts for or do your deadlifts second, Brian? If you have to do them on the same day, we yes. want to see you stay healthy. In fact, do them do them on the same day a lot. It's yeah. good, really good conditioning. Get you ready to compete. Yeah. That's something that I'm definitely going to be working on. I felt like my deadlift was affected highly at my last meet just because I wasn't conditioned. Yeah, and especially with how fast meets run. But like you'll see people be like, oh, I pulled this for a triple in the gym. Why can't I hit this as my opener? It's like because you've never squatted before. You've never like done a max effort squat yeah, before. Exactly. No preparation. Yeah. But I think the thoracic spine gets ignored a little bit uh, for squat. Yeah, you need a lot so of if extension. if you fried it deadlifting, yeah. yeah. Okay. I hope that helps. Yeah. Because then you're more likely to ditch it forward. Correct. I'll check Instagram, see thoughts on squats, deadlift, and hack squats. So I guess the question would be, is the hack squat going to be 
less um, stressful on the back than a typical back squat, front squat, whatever it may be. Safety bar. I'm sure. Because a hack sure squat is. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see an issue with that. Doing the squats deadlift, then a hack squat after no, that. That's not. A problem. I, I see no issues. Because it's that. almost. I mean, that's almost more of an isolated. It's not. It's not as much as a full Any, body anything that's right. fixed like that. You, yeah, you got that no, fixed range of motion. Yeah. It's not as not as stressful. It can't go anywhere but up and down. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Travis, did you have another uh, mail bin question? Yeah. Um, so formerly, uh, another chiropractor messaged me, the lifting doc, Rafael Castro, how much pizza should I consume? <laughs> so where I'm going up a weight class, I say all of it. No limit. As Easy much enough. as you can get? Yeah. On a more serious question, kind of what is you, because you've been someone, I mean, you start, I think when I first uh, met you, you were competing in the 220 weight class. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about competing at the 275. What are some of your weight gain strategies? Eat, uh, literally eat as much as I can. I increased uh, my peri-workout carbs. I do a lot of cream of rice now. Um, easy digesting carbs. Um, mix it with maple syrup, brown sugar, whatever. Um, really easy digesting. That's If I take that you know, before workout, after workout, that's easy 500 calories right there. Um, increase meat. Because also when you increase calories, you also increase the potential for more output, right? Because I noticed since I'm eating more, I can do more work. Right. Which means I have to eat more in order to keep gaining weight, yeah, right? Yeah, it's cycle. Just, yeah, because right now, so basically the reason I want to go 275 is I just don't want to cut anymore. Yeah. So I told myself if I'm above 250, come like two weeks out of the meet, I'm not going to cut to 242. Right now I'm at 254. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of playing the weight class game. I just want to play the weight game. You lose out leverage. Yeah. My bench always suffers whenever yeah. I cut weight every I time. I think you're smart. Okay. Oh, go mad. <laughs> What's go mad? A gallon, gallon of milk, milk a day. A day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got its merits. It's kind of. I mean, that's kind of like uh, how will it not work? I guess. Right. Well, you, you, maybe I'm well, Dom, running through you. Dominici. I don't know if you know him. He's a he's the bro. Big, he's the Dom. don't be scared, homie. That guy. Okay. He's a big guy. He just went against uh, JP Carroll at the XPC yes, finals. Yes, yes, yes. Um, he drinks a gallon of milk a day. I mean, the dude's 400 pounds and squats 900 like nothing. He squatted 980, but um, they called him for death. But it looked like an opener. Yeah. It was so easy. Um, Is he the one that came up with that? That go mad? No. No, okay. No, he I, just, he posts on his Instagram though, right? every time, like, drinking a gallon of milk a what's day. A, what's a, what's a, what are the calories in a gallon of milk? The whole milk had I it's forget. like 150 calories, eight servings in a gallon, or 16 servings. Yeah, in a so it's approaching a thousand. Yeah, damn. I eat a, I eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's almost every night, which is 1,200. <laughs> <laughs> guy that <laughs> maybe start with a half gallon. Yeah, I was gonna say work up to it, see what your stomach. Yeah, do a little bit of a linear progression. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of digestion. Um, I got another one, a few more. Yeah. So I talked about mobility routine, most common injury. Mm-hmm. Um. If we're talking powerlifters in general, I see a lot of hip stuff, a lot of hip stuff and shoulder stuff. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's just the stabilizers, the glute med, glute max. Um, if it's a low back issue, it's typically coming from the glutes. Um, and then shoulder stuff just from benching and low bar squatting. Um, tight lats, tight pecs, tight bicep, a lot of bicep stuff. I was going to say, I feel like a bicep and uh, bicep is probably the most common that I've witness around here. Yeah, I mean, they all tie in together. So. Biceps, elbows. I mean, it's, that's not really like a serious injury, but it yeah. seems like... So, bencher's ever... elbow. Um, me and Lauren are both experiencing this right now. So, there's basically two main causes of bencher's elbow. Different than tennis elbow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's more specific. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, it's either like a referred pain from supraspinatus, because supraspinatus will refer to the lateral part of your elbow, lateral epicondyle, which is typically when you low bar squat and then bench. Which we do. We squat Sundays and then bench Tuesdays, and by Tuesdays, our elbows are hurting. Fly, flaring right yeah. up. 
or it's from, um, so when you bench, you do elbow flexion and your wrists are stuck in a pronated position, right? Mm -hmm. So wrist fl elbow flexion is normally coupled with supination of the wrist, like a regular bicep. Curl. Right, or like some kind of a twisting row. Right, it, yeah. it's, it's coupled, because that's what the main action of the biceps is, is supination. So what you gotta do is strengthen elbow flexion from a pronated position. So just doing something simple like reverse curls will help a lot with bencher's elbow. Interesting. Because you gotta strengthen it from the pronated position. Man, I was doing some reverse curls lately, and it felt like I was doing like a weird shrug movement. Yeah. Probably because there's just nothing there to yeah. actually. You're trying to compensate for it. Exactly. So, yeah. And would you agree? A lot of the elbow trouble is just from squatting. Yeah. Yeah. So get with us, especially bars, folks. Safety bar, camera bar, buffalo bar. Yeah. If your elbows are bugging you, get with them before they bug you. Yeah. Because ours are starting to act up, so we're switching to the safety squat bar go. for the next few weeks. Yeah. Just to take the load off, so that we can actually have a bench workout without pain. You right. Because so. it's really a lot of times not the bench. Right. So we got a uh, we got a uh, online question from our intern slash uh, musical producer Theo. Uh, what are some early warning signs for back injuries, if there are any? Yeah. So the two predictors for back pain are tight hamstrings and previous episodes of low back pain. Those are the two number one or number two reasons mm -hmm. of you know causes of back pain. So if you stay on top of your hamstring flexibility, you should be okay. Um, also, there's a really cool kind of trick that you can do to see if you're at risk of getting an injury. It's do your active range of motion. So say it's it's your hamstrings. You mm -hmm. lay face up and do a, you know, a straight leg raise. And then you have someone come along and you relax and let them push it. And if that difference is more than 10 degrees, that's called a motor gap, um, you're more at risk for injury because you don't have control of what your muscles are capable of moving. Whoa. We should take a video of that because that's really interesting and that sounds like a really and you easy can do that for any muscle, like not just hamstrings. Hamstrings is the easiest because you can see it. Yeah. Um, that's probably the biggest amount of degree. Yeah. Like the, the amount of degrees that you'll be able to see that yeah. more easily. They're actually they just did I don't know if you follow Dave Tate on YouTube or anything though. Yep. Lead FTS. Yep. They just did that on him and he could do active range of motion like thirty degrees mm -hmm. and then passive was all the way up to ninety. He can? Yeah. He so he has really good hip mobility, but not the good motor pattern for it. So he's more at risk. I'm going to shout out to him. Thanks, Dave, for selling my collars for the last 10 years. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Dave. Got to appreciate that. I'll check Instagram. Yep, check the gram. Let me check it, too. I don't see anything right now. We got appreciation of the pizza. <laughs> Oops. Oh, that was flexing Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a name, like a somebody's name? Yeah, it's one of my buddies. What were you guys doing eating three dozen donuts of Christmas? It was a dozen cream? each. A dozen each. And it was the most disgusting thing. Well, who was doing that? Me and my buddy Joe. He's a bodybuilder. Oh, okay. He just got done a show. He must be off season. Yeah. He just got done a show. So he's like, I've never had Krispy Kreme before. So he's like, all right, we got to do this. I'm Those like, are like liquid. It's like, it's sugar. It's it was, only I, sugar. I couldn't eat anything for three days after. It was so gross. It's those, so but it's good because now you don't want it again. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't <laughs> had a donut since. And that was a few months ago. Yeah. And Joe doesn't either. No. Um, so I got a question about what knee wraps I use because I just switched back. Um, I did the Pioneer Lilla Bridge wraps, but I didn't feel like I got as much rebound out of them as I do my Elite FTS Super Heavies, which are the All Blacks. Mm -hmm. um, I've had those for a year or two now. I really like the Elite FTS Crates, which is the black and white stripe, but I gave those to my dad because he didn't have a pair of knee wraps. Gotcha. How is your dad? Good. He's uh he's excited for the meet. Good he's man. Do well. Yeah. Bert. Yeah. Ready to compete. Um. 
Let me ask you a question about knee wraps. Okay. Kind of uh, explain to me your wrapping strategy. Is it four up, four down, four up, do. across? So I start bottom of the knee, four up, cover the uh, VMO, the teardrop of your quad, right? And then I do across, across, and then one behind the knee. If I really crank it, like what I would for like a third attempt or at a meet, I'll do two behind. So you do two crosses? Yeah. I do four up, two cross, two behind, two right behind the knee. Try to build up as much material back there. Yeah. Um, we've recently had Danny start wrapping Lauren's knees, and he does crisscross the whole way up. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because um, think the way knee wraps stretch are longitudinally, right? Like not from the side. Yes. So if you do it crisscross, you're going to cross it up, more. You're going yeah. to stretch it more. Right. And so it's, it's. I'm sorry. I was going to say I just had to uh, wrap my girlfriend's knees for a meet, and one of the interesting things was I had to have a completely different strategy. Because she, her knees were so, her legs yeah. were so skinny. Yeah. So where normally I can almost go, you know, four up, four down, but the four down you're kind of packing more behind. Yeah. I could not do that with her. I had to go, kind of two around the bottom, two around the top, and then layer it in the middle. Yeah. Do, do you have to change it the way when you? I mean, granted, Lauren's legs are going to be a little bit thicker than my yeah. girlfriend Lauren's legs. I normally get two extra um, crisscross with her. One more on each side. Kong Jin Chang asked, where is Emily? She is working out. Uh, I think she might be here, but she's not here. She was kicked out for this one. Who's Sorry. Jin Chang? Kong. I don't know who Kong is, but they're looking for Emily, whoever they are. Let's see we got more. Yeah. Okay. I got a few more here, too, okay. I think. Um... Uh, Actually, just my last one is, what's my favorite thing about being a chiropractor and treating athletes? That's it. That's all the questions I had. Mm -hmm. So my favorite thing is, one, that I own my own business and I can do, you know, I can treat the way I want. I like treating athletes because everyone in school is like taught all these rehab stuff, right? But it's not scaled to people who want to squat 700 pounds, right? So it's finding, you know, the right exercises and being able to scale it for someone who works just a desk job, just wants to be able to move around without pain, mm -hmm. versus someone who wants to go from a 700 to 800 pound squat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just being able to scale that I think is a lot of fun. And then just every patient is like an own puzzle, but there are so many patterns between them. Like I know that if someone has, you know, uh, superior medial glute pain, their glute meat is going to be tight. The opposite QL is going to be tight. And that TFL is going to be really tight. So you're right? probably then, a little interesting to kind of see, like, I know this hurts, yeah. and then following Like, it. I'll poke on someone's TFL, and I'll be like, two-thirds down on the vastus lateralis is going to be a really bad knot. Are you ready for this? And I find it right away, and they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Lock up. And then, like, you know, inch further, it doesn't hurt. Inch further up, it doesn't hurt. It's just that one spot. So it's just really cool seeing, like, the patterns that pretty much everyone shares for very similar conditions. It kind of proves, I mean, it proves the science, really, yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah. I, I got to imagine, you know, it's one thing that's been really, uh, you know, frustrating when I go to, our, you know, my PCP, and you explain to them what they're doing, and they look at you like you got two heads. Yeah. And, you know, granted, what I'm doing is not, you know, super elite, but when you tell someone, you're like, yeah, I, I sit at a desk, and I try to squat 500 pounds, they're like, well, I would recommend not squatting 500 pounds. It <laughs> yeah. would keep you healthy. I think that it's just crazy. So yeah. I know that there's a lot of people in this community that really appreciate having a uh, open-minded, an open-minded and an open-minded doctor, and also someone who goes through the same pains, yeah. aches, and everything else that they go through. And I like it too, in a way, because I can also learn from my patients, right? So if they hurt themselves doing this, it's and like they know the warning signs. It's like if I get those warning signs, I know exactly what to do now because I treated a patient with it. You know what I mean? Even though yes. I may not have had experience with it before. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm learning through them as well. 
So I think that's really cool. Yep. Um, I think so. This is a question that I wanted to ask you that I think may we may have touched upon in the uh, on the podcast in the past, but uh, you know, co- like probably the most common like bro uh, injury is I threw my back out. Mm-hmm. Kind of that expression. Oh, I threw my back out. Right. I was uh, moving. I was you know bringing wood in for the fire. Or I was carrying a wheelbarrow around. Right. What is it that happens when you throw your back out? So the few different kind of options that could happen. Uh, the most common and most painful is typically a SI joint sprain. Mm-hmm. Um, just the part of the pelvis that moves when you, whenever you move up your leg, the pelvis moves, right? Yep. Um, it's really common when people do it deadlifting, just because you have that pelvic flexion. Um, can be extremely painful, but it's also a really easy fix. So it's like, I actually had that today. I had a guy who walked in like this, um, like 10 out of 10 pain and walked out, you know, 80% better. With just a little muscle work and adjustment, like it's super easy to fix. Really? Yeah, but it's the thing that scares the people the most because it, it's so painful. Well, or especially if you're a uh, you know a blue collar type of person that you know their mortgage payment is dependent on them being able to pick things up. Right. Did you is that did you adjust it or did you do soft tissue? I always do. A majority of the treatment is just soft tissue, and that makes the adjustment so much easier. And then you can move that. Yep. Yep. Takes a lot I, less force. You know, in the years past, because I, I won't go anymore if it's if I knock on wood don't get those as much but yeah it seems like that's the wrong thing to do when that's locked up yeah. is to try to adjust it yeah right? you got to really loosen it up that's first because if okay. all the muscles surround it tighten up yeah. if you try to force through they're that you're going to make it worse right? yeah so if you try to force your way through that you're just going to hurt the muscles so you, you get, get that loose and then you could adjust them yeah and it, it's, it goes like butter it doesn't take any any force at all interesting yeah um, so that's, that's, that's sort of a new approach the muscle work in general with chiropractic yeah. yes yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah. you used to just hammer it right yeah we're right. I mean, the stereotypical, you go to the chiropractor, they're cracking your neck, they're cracking yeah. your back, they're cracking the bejesus out of you. Yeah. And that's I wanted just, to touch on that a little bit, too. So that's part of the reason, actually, that's mostly the reason I don't take insurance is because insurance will pay a chiropractor to do heat pad on you, electrical stim, and an adjustment. And that's it. Right. They won't pay you for the muscle work. So if you go to someone, do you think they're going to do something that they're not getting paid to do? Right? That's why they don't do muscle work. That's why they do the heat stim adjust because that's all they're getting paid to do. Right. That's all they can milk out of the. Right. So. Do you? Um, what does your muscle work consist of? ART, um, active release technique. Mm-hmm. So whenever we find okay, um, Graston a lot, um, just because those are the two most proven techniques to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of ischemic compression, um, and then just. So you, you with your thumbs or? Yeah, my thumb. I have to ice my thumbs every night. Okay. <laughs> and then the Graston is the one with the tool. Yeah. So if it's a sac- if it's a sacral sprain, mm-hmm. are you going right over the sacrum? Uh, there's a little a little medial to it. There's the uh, iliolumbar ligament. We gotta dig in there a little okay. bit because that'll be really inflamed. And then it's a lot of the glute stuff it's because locked, the glutes right? cross. Yeah. yeah. So the glutes will cross from the sacrum to the pelvis, which okay. is where the SI joint yes. is. So we loosen up the glutes a lot, and yeah. that loosens up the whole. Joint. And then you can what, put them on their side. And yep. The... Interesting. Because I think sometimes I've come out of it worse. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. After so, the adjustment. Yes. Yeah. It's just too much. It can't take yeah. anymore. Yeah. If you try to force through the muscle, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah. So there are other two possibilities besides the SI joint sprain. Um, multifidized spasm, which can be really bad. Um, it's a really, really deep muscle that connects the vertebral, like intervertebrals, right? So your L5 to your L4 connects those. Um, or it could be a QL spasm, which is deep to the lumbar erectors, and that stabilizes your spine lateral flexion. Because I had one of the, the wor- one of the worst times I ever, you know, quote, threw my back out. I probably told the story five times on the podcast. I had, I was doing the squat everyday program. Corey Gregory, the former president of Muscle Farm, was pushing it really hard. It was John Bro's program, who was an Olympic weightlifter. 
and there I, I was just overloading myself and I was skipping rocks with my girlfriend at the beach and I went to throw one and it was like frozen yeah the straw Absolutely that broke the camel's back yeah, it's, it's normally something that's so like minuscule that does it like someone tying their shoes you know they can deadlift 800 pounds no pain they go to tie their shoes and that's what does it locked yeah. up yeah yeah. and then it feel, you're out for a significant amount of time usually afterwards if you don't get, if you don't get treated if you don't get treated <laughs> So, just uh, kind of a non, uh, how, uh, maybe, I, maybe I asked you this question in the past, but is there anything in particular with your education that affects your training? Like, do you feel that, I mean, obviously you've got, you, you probably approach training just a little bit differently with your knowledge of the body. Is there anything like really in particular you're like, you know, because I do this, I'm going to do this differently? Putting you really on the spot. Any, I can't really <laughs> think of any specifics. Well, you probably you have a lot of safety things you're more aware of. Right. right. Um, I stay up on my rehab. Yeah. Like in between patients at the office, I have a squat rack, you know, deadlift. I can do all that, all the bands and stuff. So, you know, if I notice I'm a little bit sore, I do my extra rehab work in between patients at the office just mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, the, the easiest way to get strongest in the game is do it the longest, right? So the longevity is definitely the key. You know, you are, if you're recovering from an injury all the time, you're not going to be able to really progress. Right. So that's why you see people in the sport, you know, they'll they'll rise to the top really quick and then, you know, get injured and be out. And fall out. Yeah. So just it's all about longevity. Mm-hmm. You know, powerlifting is a marathon. Ah, yes, it is. <laughs> do you, uh, you doing anything specifically different for this prep versus the other prep? Whoa, we got a guest. <laughs> Come on in. Who's this guy? We might have to call the cops. What's up, Ryan? Hello. Get in the camera. Get in the frame. <laughs> Where's the, oh, hi. We got lots of cameras. Pick one. So we got another comment on Instagram. All right, let's hear it. What are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What are your thoughts on portable stim machines such as the Complex E Stim? So, stim machines work. I'll explain simply how they work. So, no susception is pain, right? That's what it means. Uh, mechanoreceptors inhibit pain. Like if you stub your thumb or something, you shake it, it makes it feel better, mm-hmm. right? Because you're activating mechanoreceptors and it inhibits no susception. That's how those stim machines work. Um, so it'll work while you have it on and maybe 10 or 15 minutes afterwards, but after that it doesn't really work. So are they beneficial long-term? Or is it kind of like I'm spending money on something that a CrossFit champion's wearing? I mean, stim, stim units are pretty cheap. You can get one for like 20, 30 bucks on Amazon. Oh, really? Because yeah. those, those power dots or whatever the, the... Yeah, so those are different. That's more of like a Russian stim kind of thing. Those are more expensive. Yeah, they're about they work, the 300 range. Yeah. So those work differently. Those actually cause like a, a deep muscle contraction, which is used to help technically like relax the muscle and try to help flush things out. Um, but you can also hurt yourself by doing it if you're not trained. Gotcha. It, it seems like it'd be really easy to put it on the wrong spot. Yeah. Or e stems, you can put the different juices in them, right? And then is that what we're talking I think about? I think I think an E6. E6. <laughs> right. I hate to interrupt. Can I can I tell my Travis uh, story? Let's hear it. My power doc story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got a live call and he actually drove in. <laughs> <laughs> so um, about two weeks before my uh, my most recent meet, um, training was going great. Everything was going great. About two weeks before, after a heavy training session. I uh, was at home, sitting on the couch, and then felt some like stabbing pain in my upper back. And um, nothing too out of the ordinary, just sort of worked <laughs> through it for a couple sessions. Um, and then uh, it started getting worse. It got worse when I was actually working out. Um, never really felt anything like it before. I talked to uh, Melinda here, who's a physical therapist, and 
She said, based on my symptoms, it sounded like it might be a, a popped rib, that a rib had become had come out of place. And I'd never heard of that before, really. Um, but, uh, and I, I decided I was just going to train through it, do the meat, and then get some treatment afterwards. But it really started to affect my training. Um, so I just hit up uh, Travis, uh, Dr. Dyer, one day, and he said, yeah, man, I can, I can get you in, um, I think, a day or two later. And um, so I was able to, uh, to go up and see him at uh, Pineland Farms, which if you haven't been up there, it's a really beautiful location. That's an His awesome office yeah. is in just the most picturesque setting. It's like a college, it's almost like a college campus. And um, so it was a super nice setting. Some of the best cheese you can buy. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, so anyway, um, yeah. And then, um, you know, we, we went through an assessment and, um, you know, he did some, some work on me for about 20 minutes, I would say. Yeah. And immediately after he was done, I had an 80% increase, uh, 80% decrease in the pain. I was, it was like night and day. And um, just an amazingly positive experience. Um, he uh, did some, you know, super, you know, he, he knew exactly what he was looking for based on the assessment. Um, he got in there um, and then 20 minutes later, I was almost as good as new. And then about a week later, I was as good as new. Um, so just a huge shout out to uh, Dr. Dyer, Power Doc. Um, you know, definitely solved my issue. Um, the only thing, um, I don't know why he required me to be nude. I don't know if that was. Uh, that was the, I'm totally kidding. That was a joke. Um, but no, just a, an amazingly positive experience, and he completely, uh, you know, resolved the issue that I had. And I would definitely recommend him. And um, any issues that I have in the future, I'd, I'd definitely be going back. So I just want to give a big plug. Thanks, man. So, quick, quick question, quick question to you, Ryan, because yeah. one of the things that is has kind of stopped me from getting massages and going to chiropractors in the past. It just seems like it's it's a painful thing. Yeah. How was it? As you know, as someone who's a big baby, how uncomfortable is it? As a scale, from a scale of one to ten. It was. Uh, it was not. I would not say it was uncomfortable at all. There was really no discomfort. It was. Um, I mean, you feel pressure. Right. Um, you definitely feel pressure. Um, but it's almost uh, a relieving type of pressure. Everyone always says it's like a good kind of pain. It's a good kind of pain, yeah. right, yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, it, it feels good um, while he's doing it, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's not, you know, if you're sensitive, I, I would say you have nothing to worry about. Like, it didn't hurt. Um, it didn't feel, you know, painful. Um, there was just a lot of pressure, but I knew that it was um, providing a lot of relief at the same time. Right, so. it helps you get through it. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely hire, highly recommend the Power Doc. Thanks, man. Cool. All right, well, I'll let you guys get back to <laughs> Thanks the... Thanks for uh, calling in. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ryan. What? Thanks. <laughs> um, to to explain... Uh, you could just cut me a check for 50 bucks after, like, we yeah. agreed on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, to expand on that, I would say probably one of the best marketing things you've done so far is, and I don't think you even did it, but uh, Zach Hutch... Hutchins, um, who posted the video of him just going through the whole thing, that just made me feel like I understood what I'd be going through if I were to go see you yeah. so much better. And I know that, like, you, you know, professionally, you can't tell talk about different people's experiences or with HIPAA and everything, but just seeing the appointment really helped. You yeah. know, a lot of times the reason people stopping from doing things like that is that it's an unknown. Right. They just don't know what's going to be happening. Yeah. So. 
I gotta say that that helped me out a lot. I had someone watch that video and be like, I didn't know how much running around you were gonna do during treatment. Yeah. It it was, like, that was just like a 20 minute treatment too, so, I mean, I'm moving around quite a bit. Yeah. So. I got. I wanna go back. Yeah. To, with a, the SI joint. Yep. Joint. Yeah. But the QL is a quadratus labor. Yep, that connects so, ribs to the pelvis. Okay, so soft tissue. But when that's pulled, mm -hmm. then what can you do? If it's inflamed or you've sprained it, the, that muscle. Yeah. That's a big, strong muscle, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. deep, too. Deep, yeah. yeah. What, is it? What, I dig right in it. You dig in yeah. it, yeah. and yeah. that'll like, get it to Yeah, because move. when things get, like, sprained and stuff, it, yes. it's in contraction, right? Yes. You're trying to guard it's it. protecting. Stuff. Yeah, so you just do that ischemic compression or ART and stuff, and that helps relax it. It, it. And also doing an adjustment actually has, you know, that neurological response, although... I don't like to touch on that too much. I like to keep, keep things, you know, musculoskeletal. Mm -hmm. But they do have a neurological response that can help break that pain pathway and just get that muscle. So going. everything starts to let go again. Yeah. All right. And then he, I, I wanted to ask you about rib heads. Mm -hmm. So is it literally the head of the rib there? When it, yeah. It then, can come out just a little bit. Right. Um, and they can be nasty. It's really painful. Yeah. It'll hurt to breathe. Every yeah, I was going to say it. I was gonna it say it. It'll like come it. to the front of yeah. your chest. It's bad. Um, and... Yeah, when you have it for a little bit, it takes everything around it starts to guard, right? All the muscles around mm -hmm. it, so it takes more muscle work. Um, I had one come out when I was in grad school. Mm -hmm. Luckily, an hour later, I had my adjusting class. Because it's I had the my easiest fix in the world. Oh right? yeah, once you uh, and I instantly yeah. just really rib adjustment done, like zero pain. You do get the residual pain. You get about twenty percent uh, leftover pain just from the soreness of all the muscles being guarded for so long. Mm -hmm. um, now, in emergency, you're not going to like this. I'll take a set of dumbbells and just yeah. lay back on the bench, and it'll pop it Well, sometimes. it's typically what you need is the extension. Yes, yeah. and the weight will just pop it. But I've actually I done that. Like I not knowing what I was doing, when I just laid on it, you know, put it almost like I would do a dumbbell pullover and just yeah. put it on my chest and push it. I think, I don't know if I'm right. Is that the rib heads doing that? The rib heads posteriorly. I know, but when you push here, is that that noise we hear? It could be, or it could just be the thoracic getting in the ah, extension. okay, all right. So what kind what, I, uh... Just to expand on that, what are kind of uh, so when you talk about the rib, like what is it that's really happening? What what Ryan went through? Okay, so the rib attaches to your vertebrae in the back. Okay, and then wraps around your body and attaches to the sternum in the front. Yep. So you have the rib head that attaches to the the transverse process of the vertebra. Okay. And that just comes out just a little bit. That's what it is. So yeah. it's in the back. Yes. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. But it can radiate. You can radiate around and hit in the front, and it's like a stabbing pain. It's really every breath you take. Because the ribs, you know, move as you breathe. So if you breathe and it's not moving correctly and the muscles are all spasmed up, it's going to hurt. You're going to get a tight yeah. You can't, you just make one move in it. So you think it's horrible, but yeah. you got, he'll fix you in one second. Yeah. Really? So it's yeah. so easy. Interesting. It's typically, like, the, the scarier and more painful things are, like, the easiest fixes. Yeah. It really is. It's those, you know, low-grade chronic issues that are... But I always wonder if that was literally what it was. Yeah. And that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So we've got uh, one of your fans asked, how do you feel about foam rolling for longevity? Lauren, we covered this. <laughs> that's my wife. Oh. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> that's how you feel about it? Wow, harsh. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have Jared Schwartz. Um, <laughs> to work through knee tightness pain on the raw squad, do you recommend a narrow stance shoulder width or going as wide as hip flexibility allows to reduce the angle on the knee. So how does your squat width affect knee pain, I guess? Right, it really depends on what's causing the knee pain. If it's more structural, like within the knee, like a meniscus or you know LCL, MCL kind of thing, or if it's from the quad, um, 
it, it really depends. Um, or also what part of the quad, right? If it's your VMO, vastus lateralis, or rectus femoris, um, it can make a difference. Um, the biggest thing, kind of side note, the biggest thing that I see with knee pain and squats is people wearing heeled shoes. I hate them. Really? Flats. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Biggest thing, when someone has heel pain or knee pain and they're squatting, like nine times out of ten they're wearing heeled shoes because it causes more forward knee travel. I'm just going to ask you that. Too. Yeah. Um, because people say like ankle mobility is That's an issue. That's what I was just going to say. But if you're squatting correctly, pushing your hips back, knees out, the most ankle flexion, dorsiflexion you have is like 15 degrees. Like your ankle shouldn't have to bend that much. Ankle mobility shouldn't be a limiting factor at all in the squat. Your knee, your knee should actually yeah. be coming should, that way. Yeah. If you can. If not, at least 90. Yeah, it's perpendicular. Or or less. Yeah. We're on the same page with that. So you always, you're going to get a lot more power out of your hips and your hamstrings and glutes than you will your quads. And you're going to save your knees. Yeah, because you'll have less hip, uh, knee flexion and that anterior knee travel. Bad. So if you're wearing heel shoes, I would, I would get out of those or transition out of those. That could be an issue. Um Otherwise, it really depends on um, what's causing the issue. There's a test that you might be able to YouTube. It's called Knockless um, or Thomas Test. Uh, if you can do those, you can actually do those pretty much by yourself um, just to see what the area is causing the tightness. Um, and then an easy stretch if it is from your quad is do the couch stretch, which I have on my YouTube and my Instagram if you want to check out at the Power Doc. Now, I don't like to have a wrestling shoe, though. I need something with a little more support for squat. Yeah. Yes? Uh, Lauren just transitioned to a wrestling shoe. For squat? It's, yeah, it's actually a really hard okay. bottom. Yeah. It's actually more stable than her chucks. Okay. Because her chucks can, you know, fold they, they in. They get a little lateral movement. They're floppy. Yeah. yeah. But the, her wrestling shoes are really nice, actually. Okay. So Maybe they have a little more than they used to in the sole. Yeah. Okay. What but for deadlift, I'm okay with wrestling Yeah. Shoes. You're welcome, Jared. Um... <laughs> I hope that helped. I mean, it's hard to tell, you know, without actually doing an assessment. So, I got a question more on knees. What's a good exercise to prevent uh, knock knee? You or some good exercise? Like yeah, caving in? exactly. Uh, it, that's really not an exercise issue. That's usually more of a stabilization issue or activation, right? So I actually did um, a video on my Instagram and Facebook, I believe. Um, it's basically doing a split squat. Whatever leg you have back, you want to hold a weight in that hand, okay. and that's going to work this glute med because the glute med keeps its hip abduction, right? So it prevents your hip from being shifted out. So if you have a weight in this hand, it's actually going to keep that glute tighter, and it'll help activate it more. Otherwise, it's more of a cue kind of thing because your glute med isn't really like a strength resistance kind of muscle. It's more of a stabilizer. So if your knees are caving in, it's mostly just a cue thing to not keep that tightness, that external rotation, screwing your feet into the ground kind of thing. Gotcha. So it's normally not a strength issue. Okay. Interesting. Because you see a lot of people when they transition to wraps, the first couple squats are like right in. You yeah. know, they, they almost touch. And so it, it's interesting to hear that it is more just a, you know, I think a lot of people want to hear, oh, do 500 clamshells a night or right. something to, yeah. to make it stronger. Yeah. Okay. Anybody on Instagram? Any more comments? What's going on? What else we got here? Let's talk about uh, let's just talk about the meet a little bit. The upcoming one? Yeah. Nice. Okay. How are uh, you doing anything? Uh, do you keep your training pretty consistent between meets, or do you kind of do like the lessons learned, so, evaluate from there? And this one, I handed my training off to Danny Belmore. Good man. Yeah. So 
Have you know, had you been doing your programming leading up to it? Yeah, um, and Lawrence, but we both, you know, we both just kind of wanted a external eye looking at things. Yeah. Um, just because we've been working and training together for almost four years, that you know, it's just it just takes a different eye to see things. Um, and this past, so we do we do ten twenty life program. He does like a bastardized version of it, right? Like he creates, he changes things up a little bit. Yeah. So we did a ten week off season, and he was having me do things I had never done before. So they definitely like skyrocketed my squat. Really? So um, and bench, I added forty pounds on my bench within since I started having him do it. Really? Which is pretty ten cool. weeks. A little bit before the November meet, but the November training cycle was really just bad for us both. So, what happened there? I don't even know. Just life, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just busy, hectic. It just happens. Yeah. So it's okay. And then uh, she started her doctoral program and stuff. So we, it was hard getting into the gym, and um, we weren't even training with the crew that much at that point. So now we actually booked off like Tuesday, Thursdays at five o'clock. Like we're not in the office anymore. Like that's our time to train. We go with the crew. And I see. Made, you, well, you got the you're with a, a big crew of guys yeah. getting some work done. And Sunday mornings, um, and that has actually made a huge difference. So, um, Danny did your your cycle for mm-hmm. you. Pretty good testament that there's really no difference between gear and raw right. training. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, and even it's just no like Dave Tate folks. and Louis Simmons all said that you know training at Westside they didn't put on gear no. until right at the meet. Folks, there's just no difference. Yeah. You're just gonna train. Yep. Chad Ball is asking for pros and cons, but the only thing he's asked about is the Go Mad diet. (laughs) (laughs) Extra calories. Yes, cons, uh, extra bathroom trips. (laughs) I think that's about it. Lactose intolerant, it's hard to do. But yeah, I think our whole crew is going to put in a a really good meet. We're all doing really well. Dustin's killing it right now. He's a 220. Um, He's doing really good. Brick shit house. Big dude. Yeah. You got, do you have other classes? You get 42s? You're going to be 75, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, no, we got two 220s, yep. Bert and Dustin. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'm the biggest guy. Anthony, but he doesn't really train with us. Marina. He trains at LA, but yeah. Nobody at 42? No. Nope. Nobody, uh, no sub twos other than Lauren. <laughs> don't think. Yeah, we got um, 65ers. Yeah. Is Timmy Lane doing it? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, we got Justin Jasper, who is watching. I don't know if he's still watching. Justin, so if, a question. if you're still watching, give us a thumbs up, Jasper. And a question. Um, and then we got Kyle Spencer, who's doing really well as well. Uh, he just joined. Did he do it last week? Mm-mm. So you're looking forward to uh, the new the uh, grand stage of the uh, Westbrook Armory? Yeah, I've never been there, so I'm really excited. I'll show you a picture of when it looks full. Yeah. What it looks like in the other room. And I mean, the, the meat's going to be full, so it's definitely going to be good. It's going to be excited. awesome. Yeah. It's going to be real good. And Lauren is going to... She's going to be good. Not showing. not showing. No, it's not showing. Whatever you're saying. What, what are you looking for? They ask pros and cons. Oh, oh, oh. He must have missed. We'll, we'll wait for you here at chat. It just shows dot, 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 pros, cons. Hmm. Are you trying to post a picture? It might not work. Pros, cons of what? Some lift or something? Uh, I mean, exercise? Or what's he asking? I don't know. Oh, oh Jasper's still watching. There he go. is watching. He yeah. is the, uh, so I think he's a 165 or a 181. I'm not flex. so sure. But no, we don't have any 198ers. No mm-hmm. 242s if I don't cut. Mm-hmm. I think you ought to keep going. I think so. So one thing that you had mentioned to me that when we did your last interview, you said that like the cut was a big part of your training or right. like a big part of your cycle. Yeah. Like that you really 
that kind of kicked you into gear. Yeah. So how many meets have you done without a weight cut? Since so then? whenever I was at 242, I didn't cut. Okay. When I was 220, I cut. So. And that like, was about a 20-pound weight cut? 15, 20 pounds? Uh, this past one, I weighed like 235, I think. So if I were to cut to 20, yeah, like 15. 20-something was the most I've done, which was for the Arnold. Um, but, yeah. So I'm, I'm just overcutting. <laughs> yeah. And just trying to keep my weight within a certain range so that I can cut is just brutal. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm just going to eat to try to put up the best numbers I can. Well, how, how tall are you? Six one. Six. You gotta be seven two seventy five. Yeah. He'll tell you at a big meet. I'll grow into. Yeah. At a big meet, uh, one ninety eight is about five three, five four. They're tiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. And they're probably really cutting down from. They might. Two twenty. Yeah. They're probably yeah. walking around at two twenty. But yeah. You get to six one, you're gonna have to be seventy five or. Yeah. You know, think about three oh eight even. Yeah. Just not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on the very low end of seventy five. Yeah. Probably like two five. I mean, you're just too tall for. Yeah. And I just watched the interview, actually, Dave Tate with Dan Green, mm-hmm. and he was saying if he kept focusing on being smaller, he would mm-hmm. never be where he's at now. Dan yeah, Green. Yeah. You'd be not focusing on cutting weight and maintaining yeah. the 220 weight class. If he always focused on staying in a weight class, he would never be where he's at now. Because yeah. he, like, was strict 220 for yeah. the longest time, right? Yeah, he's 242, and now he's up to, like, weighing 270 right now. Dan Green does? Yeah. How tall? He's short. He's yeah. short. He's like 5'9". Is, yeah. is he is he getting ready to compete again? No, he, he actually just tore his bicep. Off. He just pulled 900 beltless conventional in the cage. And he's a sumo puller. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely bonkers. When you say in the cage, you off the floor, you mean? or uh, In the cage, it's at the Arnold. I know that, but yeah. is that off the floor? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 900 yeah. beltless. Yeah. They do that, like, cage kind yeah, of strength awesome. event. Yeah. yeah. Wondering my favorite programs aside from conjugate. So I've never run conjugate, so I can't really speak on that. Um, so what was it? My favorite programs aside from conjugate. Oh, aside from conjugate. Yeah. So um, anything. <laughs> we do. I ran. Oh, I, I ran the cube before. I like that just because it does have the variability. Um, you know, heavy lift, rep work, and then speed work. It's so it's basically conjugate. It is. It, well, it's from Brandon Lilly, who yeah, um, <laughs> who basically just repackaged it. Yeah. So I really like the ten twenty life. I. I don't know. So the 10-week peak is just pure linear progression with a deload every third week. And I'm not too big of a fan of linear progression. But it doesn't work. Is that because of... Um, just because your daily maxes changed, right? So I'm basing it off what my meat maxes were in November, which were pretty low to what they should be. Right. Um, so like my deadlift at 670, like we're running 90% this week. So I'm supposed to pull 605, but I've been feeling really crappy this week. So I don't think that's even going to happen. Right. Right, because... I'm not recovering enough, so it really should be... You know, I think RPE is a better way to go. Or there's actually a new way to phrase it, basically, like... Have you seen this? Um, I don't know if I have. Rate of training fatigue or something something like that. Um, But it's basically RPE, but it sticks it to a percentage base. So if it's feeling like RPE 8, you stick at, like, 80%. Like, it's different. Or 82, it sticks in a range rather than straight up RPE or straight linear progression. Right. Because I have just, I mean, I, like this week started a program that Ryan helped me put together that's based off of RPE. I've never done that before. Yeah. That's what actually our off season is, which I really like because it allows you to push it when you're feeling good or back off when you're feeling bad. Right. Which linear progression, it's like you have to hit this weight. Like It just seems a lot more realistic. Especially, yeah. you know, as a guy who... I could spend eight hours, ten hours, twelve hours in an office desk. I could spend twelve hours walking around a warehouse. You could spend, you know, you could spend all day doing paperwork. You could spend all day trying to readjust firefighters that are huge, burly dudes. 
you've got to be able to, and you you want to keep your training, right? And you want to keep that intensity high, right? Yeah, you got to be able to adjust for your recovery, your nutrition, whatever's going on that day. We got a we got another question from our buddy Brian. Our uh, I hope that answered that question. Brian so, Harris? yeah, excellent. Oh. Did that did that answer it? That was the only oops. I think it did. Yeah, the only other program that I really like is the 1020 Life, except for the linear periodization. Um, I really like the off-season base for it, um, the RPE. And then it's basically, so the main volume is actually your secondary and third assistance work rather than the main lift, Mm -hmm. um, just to really build up those weak points, and I think that that's helped me the most. Just real quick before we go into Brian's um, question, just play devil's advocate because I love doing that. What are some of your least favorite programs? The only other ones I actually like, like, what are your thoughts on like five three one and Juggernaut? Are the two big ones? I don't like five three one. I, that's a common thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think it has a place for beginners? Yeah. Does it even make up, sense for up beginners? Up to a point, and basically, the, one of the reasons I don't like it is there's no end game in sight, right? Like, there's no ultimate goal, right? Right? Like with ten twenty life and you know all these other things, it's like yeah, after this ten weeks, I'm gonna see where I'm at. With five three one, you know, you run it for the three weeks, and then yeah, you just, just recycle it, and recycle. Keep it going. So it can be hard to stay motivated knowing that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I hate AMRAPs. I hate AMRAPs and powerlifting. You want to get hurt? Yeah. I gotta say that um, when I was so I did the juggernaut training for my USAPL meet, and it would affect like knowing that I had to do an AMRAP at eighty five percent on squats. Yeah. I'd be thinking about that all week. Yeah, and it would it would get in my head. Big yeah. time. And then if you're basing your strength gains off the AMRAP, right, like, oh, last week I did six reps, and this week I need to beat it, I don't know. Well, just, th- there would be some weeks, too, I'd hit, you know, eight reps of four or five, and the next week I can barely get three just because right. I'm fucking toast. Yeah. It's yeah. so hard AMRAPs, to... AMRAPs, like, you're training, the purpose is to train to failure, which, why would you need to do that? You don't, that sets you too big. It never translates to anything. No, and it sets you too big in the hole for recovery is if you always train to failure. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, you know, Brian. <laughs> All right, so benefits of sumo lifters for chronic lumbar back pain who are now master's age. It has less lumbar flexion. Um, that's the biggest thing. Sumo, you stay a lot more upright. With conventional, you have to bend over more. It's a lot more. It's a bigger movement arm uh, with conventional. So sumo is typically why you see those people, you know, who have had low, bar, low back issues go to sumo. Because we'll try it, Brian. He's one of my clients. Uh, we'll give it a try, Brian. Uh, we got we got about one more we got time for about one more question. How much is too much uh, reverse overloading? <laughs> um, I don't like more than ten percent. I don't think that has too much more carryover. Um, unless so, like for my for squats, I like doing reverse band now, leading up to a meet, just for that overload. Um, just so you also know what the weight feels like on your back. Yeah. So say for this meet, my goal is seven hundred for a squat. I'd probably do seven twenty five reverse bands. Just so I know, okay, 700 plus a little bit more I can handle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though my training max is probably like 625, um, I would just do a little bit more. I know that's more than 10%. Um, that's typically how I do it. I do it just a little bit above what my goal third attempt is. Um, yeah. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> All right. So our camera batteries well, are what getting... Do you think? Uh, yeah, I was just curious. They meant only un, only on reverse or against bands too? Is it just, just reverse bands? Yeah. How reverse? much? What he said. It's fine. You can. You might even that a guy like this could take a little more even. Yeah. And, and be fine. But bands from the floor going against them, I don't think there really is a limit. Two right? weeks at a time. No, yeah. I I don't know. For, as far as the load, two weeks at a time. Any of this stuff. What I was going to say to qualify that. How about those programs that you the five three one? Mm-hmm. Anything's okay for two or three weeks. You gotta yeah. get out of it. You can't do anything every week like that. Doesn't work. 
Uh, Hutch. So, do you guys stay away from high reps to failure to keep recovery time quick? Yeah, I don't ever want to train to failure. Um, whenever you get to that high point of fatigue and going in, you know, higher reps, especially for the main lifts, you're just asking for for injury because the more reps you do, the more fatigue you accumulate. So, especially with AMRAPs for a main lift, I don't think there's really ever a place because every, you're just, every successive rep, a little more technique goes out the window. Exactly. Yeah, it's. Uh... I just did a set. I did. I'm doing eight on Ryan's squat program right now, and you watch my last three, and they're not so pretty. Yeah. But there's some conditioning that I'm working on too, so there's separate goals there. Yeah. So I think I think your form should take more precedent than the reps you get. Always yeah. in this game. Yeah. So May twelfth. Twelfth. May twelfth. We got the open. See we this big this guy man. compete. We got his wife. Two, two huge competitors right there. Two big numbers. Worth up. showing up with them two alone. Um, how many, are there any spots left? I Last I heard was 54, but then I heard today somebody here said it was full. That didn't come from headquarters. Though, so okay, that's a rumor. That's, I think a rumor. All so right. it may not be full. So, but it's close. Very close. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been uh, episode 42 of the Dynamax Podcast. Help us get this uh, podcast more listens. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, Travis, thank you so much. Thank for, you. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate you coming down. Um, Empower Acu Chiropractic. Did I get that right? No. Acupuncture <laughs> Chiropractor. Did I get it backwards? Yeah. Cairo Acu. Empower Cairo Acu. Get it. Go see him. Go see him. I, I feel like I'm going to assume <laughs> you will help. You'll benefit from it too. And we are. Good night, everybody. Done.